You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. Tonight we read from Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 10 to verse 14. And we'll see a great contrast between cursed and blessed. Who's cursed and why? Who's blessed and how? That'll be our study tonight. We remember that we are speaking of the gospel, of which Paul said in chapter 1, verse 1 of Galatians, it came through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He was raised from the dead because he was given for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age. So tonight we'll have certainly uh, more on that topic, on Christ's death for us and the reason for which he was raised, because of the reason for which he died. We'll see more of what Paul said in chapter 2 of verse 16, that we know that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we who have believed in Christ Jesus, so we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, since by works of the law no flesh will be justified. Tonight is the section where Paul maybe spends the most time on that part of the topic, that no flesh is justified by the law, and why. So in chapter 3, we saw this great blessing, which came through Jesus Jesus for us, and in the likeness of uh, the life of faithful Abraham. So in chapter 3, verse 6, even so Abraham believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so therefore... Uh, To be sure, it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So the blessing is through Abraham. The blessing is through faith. Verse 8, the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. That was our study last time. And it ended on this great blessing, a universal blessing, all nations blessed in Christ, in Abraham. And so, so we who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. The blessings are in faith. The blessings of Abraham The benefit of Abraham is through faith, it's universal to all nations. But now, but now in verse 10, we go with those who are cursed. And that is where, that is where we start tonight's lesson. Galatians 3 and verse 10, the cursed workers of the law. Remembering that the blessed are in Abraham through the promise of faith, in contrast is verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith, but on the contrary, he who practices 
them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would have we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you have a Bible that marks out quotations of the law or quotations of the Old Testament in a different uh, format by all caps or by italics or by some other thing, you will note that nearly a third of all the words we just read from verses 10 through 14 are from the law. So they are mostly from Deuteronomy or they also, the quote of the righteous or the just shall live by faith is from Habakkuk. And so we had the great blessings, all the nations blessed and with Abraham the believer in <coughs> the end of the previous reading. And but now this current reading, under the law, those who work under the law are cursed because cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform. So we know there's a general and a universal curse that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, beginning after the sin of Adam and Eve. Genesis three fourteen, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I'll greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he'll rule over you. And then to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and in toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. Though thorns and thistles it will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the serpent, uh, the tempter of Adam and Eve, he, he was cursed directly and told of his ultimate defeat. The, the woman, because of her sin, there's a curse uh, for her centering on her, her reproduction and her relationship with her husband. But the victory will ultimately come through her. And then to the man, his relationships already under a curse, he's now cursed in his work as the ground is cursed because of him until he dies. And so this is the futility of life after the fall. This is the futility of a creation that is cursed for our work, our relationships, and for the women, their uh, reproductive uh, activities are all under the curse. And so we think about the frustrations and uh, things we today we deal with in families and with jobs and all the things that are important to us and how they, they, there's just so much struggle and strife. Well, it's because 
of this curse and the futility. But we find then those who had the law of God, and that's what's under discussion here, those who worked the law are also, verse 10, under a curse. And so it wasn't just that there's this general and universal curse of which all men partake and to which all men and women are subject, but in the law of Moses, as they had all the special blessings of God and of being his covenant people uh, with a certain set of blessings uh, and and uh, promises and, and hopes to depend on, they also had special responsibilities. And with that came a great amount of curses if they didn't do that. Uh, so this quote, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 26. And it's the final curse and a whole litany of curses. In Genesis, uh, excuse me, in Deuteronomy 27, Moses spoke to the people. This is Deuteronomy 27, 12. And he said, when you cross the Jordan, you go to these uh, two mountains, Mount Gerizim, go to Mount Gerizim to get the, to hear the blessings read. And then also then from Mount Ebal, hear the curses read. And the Levites were to read out loud in a loud voice to the people, starting Deuteronomy 27, 15, cursed is the man who makes an idol. Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or mother. Cursed is the one who moves a boundary marker uh, of a property. Cursed is the one who misleads the blind. Cursed is the one who distorts justice for the alien, orphan, or widow. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife. Cursed is the one who lies with an animal. Cursed is he who lies with his sister. Cursed is he who lies with his mother-in-law. Cursed is he who strikes his neighbor in secret. Cursed is he who strikes a bribe uh, or accepts a bribe to strike down the innocent. And then cursed, this one, the conclusion, cursed is all who do not conform to the words of the law. And so they had a lot of curses. Curses uh, dealing with the worship of God and versus idolatry. Worship, uh, excuse me, curses related to uh, justice. Uh, curses related to uh, fair treatment of neighbors and uh, people who are uh, easy to take advantage of. Uh, curses in regard to uh, sexual uh, liberties uh, and the misuse of, of sexual activity. Uh, cursed to not follow the law. And so the, the law starts off with this great set of curses, and the curse is to everyone who does not abide to keep all things written in the book to perform them. Well, knowing people as we do, ourselves first, our people and family we see close to us, our neighbors roundabout, human experience plus reading the scriptures and seeing the universal experience of, of people as God dealt with them, how likely is it that anyone would perform all the things written in the book of the law? It's not very likely at all. As a matter of fact, it's so unlikely it's never happened. And so we think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had one prohibition to keep. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they had two positive commands to keep, dress and keep the garden. I'm not sure how they did on dress and keep the garden because they didn't stay around long enough for us to find out. 
but with just one prohibition not to do, what did they do? They mangled the prohibition when Satan asked about it. They didn't quote it back to Satan, right, the, to, the, to the serpent, right? They, they mangled it, actually appearing to strengthen it, uh, but still they mangled it. They didn't say it as God said, and then they didn't follow it anyway. And so I, I think there might be a you know, case when we're talking about responsibility uh, uh, and, uh, and accountability uh, that we, we can speak about people you should have done, and so you're acceptable and uh, you're responsible and, ex- and accountable to have done what was right. And so we could talk about, uh, in any particular instance, responsibility and accountability to do right when we chose wrong, but uh, it, it doesn't even bear hardly thought of, of a theoretical uh, obedience that is universal enough to have covered all the book of the law for any length of time whatsoever. So uh, maybe there was some theoretical possibility or hypothetical possibility of righteousness by keeping the law, but no one did it. It's so far from possible that the scriptures never really even seemed to seriously countenance such a thing that anybody would have actually have, have made a serious attempt at having done it until we come to Jesus. And so what we find is the universal response of mankind to be responsible and be under a curse for keeping the law, we find things like Romans 3, verse 9. What shall we say about the Jews? Are they better than the Gentiles? Well, we had all the sins of the Gentiles in <clears throat> Romans chapter 1. They didn't know God. They didn't honor God. They didn't give thanks. Their foolish heart was darkened. They corrupted the image of the incorruptible God. They foolish heart was darkened. And, and, and on it goes, all the sins that they did, we can sing it like a song. We know the lyrics. But then what we find is of the Jews who knew the law, they were no better. Romans 3 verse 9. Are we better than they? <laughs> not at all, not of chance. For we have already charged that both the Jews and the Greeks are under sin. And now comes this litany of quotes from the Psalms, mostly, but from Isaiah, Proverbs as well, mostly the Psalms. As it's written, there's none righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's none who seek for good or for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There's none who do good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongues that keep on deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery in their path. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God in their eyes. And that's the people who are under the curse to perform the law. No, they, they didn't. Uh, Paul would later conclude a few verses down, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, here for those who have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, who live under the works of the law, who live under that system, what do they do once they've fallen and once they have, once they have come up short of God's glory? Well, in the gospel... There's a faith that can be counted as righteousness. In the law, there's nothing but uh, these ineffectual sacrifices of animals, uh, which do not cure the problem. Hebrews 8, 7, 
For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for the second. For finding fault with them, it says. So find, God found fault with the people. The covenant was better than the people. But the covenant in his purity condemned them all because they didn't keep it. For finding fault with them, he says, quoting Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll effect the new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them. They did not keep my covenant. Yeah, that's the problem with law keeping. Nobody keeps the law. It's just universal. Nobody keeps the law. And so we find things like this. James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Forever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he's become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, have you become a transgressor of the law? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're sunk. Well, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't commit adultery. No, but you murdered. Well, then another guy says, well, yeah, but I didn't murder either. I didn't do murder or adultery. Really? You go to 1 John 3. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You never hated your brother? Or you go to Matthew 5, 28. You've heard it said you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, you didn't murder or adultery? How about hate and adultery in your heart? Or just go back earlier to what James said leading into that. He said, James 2, verse 8. And verse 9, if, however, you're fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and convicted by the law as a transgressor. And that's what leads up to, you know, you can't, you can't say, I'm okay because I didn't murder if you adulteried. Or you can't say, okay, I didn't, I'm okay because I didn't adultery, but you murdered. Well, the one <clears throat> that James is actually explaining about is partiality. Because you got people that say, oh, I love my neighbor. But then they have partiality. Uh, today, uh, we might call that uh, bigotry or any other kind of different thing like that. And it might be on class or on race or on citizenship or any such thing. And so uh, James says, you know, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't do that, you are breaking the law. Well, you want to live by the law, then let's live by the law. Now, the problem with living by the law again is once you sinned, how did you get out of sin? Hebrews 10, for the law, since it was only the shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices year by year, which they continually offer, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would have ceased to have been offered, because worshipers, having been cleansed, would no longer have had a consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sin year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. 
So you live under a system that says, cursed are you if you don't keep the whole law. And then how do you keep the whole law? By loving your neighbors yourself all the time. By not having adultery, not just in reality, but in your heart. By not <clears throat> just not murdering, but not hating. And then having broken that, those laws, as we do, it's impossible for the sacrifices of that law to take away sin. So where are you? Well, Peter said in Acts 15.10, he said, This was a yoke on our necks that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. And so a, a curse on those who don't perform the law ended up becoming a terrible weight because people would realize that they were honest. People would realize we don't keep the law. We haven't kept the law. And they would also then see these sacrifices for sin are inadequate. Our sin yet remains. These things just remind us of our sin and remind us of our failure. And so what happens to the performers of the law? Well, they end up, because of the times that they were not performers of the law, they all end up under the curse. Now, again, the good news in the gospel was what? The great blessing that's in Abraham to all the nations being blessed. So now we have that by faith. And so this is what we need. We need that system that's faith-based, not performance-based. Because the law, the performance-based system, condemned us and didn't get rid of sin. But the system of faith, which is in Christ, it frees us from that. It forgives us of our true failures effectively and completely and lets us live on. And so verse 11, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For, quoting Habakkuk, the Old Testament even, the righteous man or the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 reads this way, Behold, as for the proud one, my soul, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous one will live by faith. Habakkuk points out the one who lives by pride or the one who lives by faith. Who's going to do better? The one who lives by faith? or the one who lives by pride. Well, in the same case here, these people, <laughs> which is going to work out better, living by the works, the performance of the law, or living by faith. And so it's going to work out to live by faith. That's where the blessings are. That no one is justified by the law is evident. So there is no salvation there. The salvation is only in Christ. Were there salvation <clears throat> in the law? There would have been no need for the law to lead to something else. But the law was always leading to Christ. So it says, verse 12, However, the law is not a faith, but on the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. So there's our two options of how to live. To live by faith or to live by the law. The law, it's based on its performance. Again, he who practices them shall live by them. So the law is a performance-based. The law is a doing system. The gospel instead is a believing system. Now, that's a quote as well. So just as the righteous shall live by faith, there's a quote. So verse 12 is also a quote. It's a quote of Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah 9.29. They were admonished to turn back to the law. Yet they acted arrogantly and did not listen to your commandments. They sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observe them, he may live. But they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not listen. And so some of the things of the law they did, uh, there's never a time where the Jews didn't break uh, you know, every commandment. But there's always a time in the Old Testament where you got people breaking some of the commandments. And so they don't practice them. They didn't practice them and live them. Again, maybe it might be a theoretical possibility that someone observe the instructions of God to such a degree that they took the opportunity to avoid every temptation and they took the opportunity to uh, fulfill every positive command. Uh, they neither omitted anything uh, from the instruction or committed any sin contrary to the instruction. But such a case would be so unique and so theoretical and hypothetical that the only person of whom it ever even comes up as a discussion is of Jesus. And it's said about him that he did it. His enemies charged him with sin continually. His enemies sought to find, find sin in him because they just couldn't believe a person could be without sin because it is so human in its nature. But those of us who live by the gospel, we don't want to try and live by this performance-based system. Practice and live. Do and live. That was, again, like Adam and Eve in the garden. Don't eat, and you can stay in this garden. How long do they get to stay in the garden? Because people blow it. People mess it up. People stumble in many ways. That's, again, from, from James. He said, if you can control the tongue, you can control anything. Well, who controls the tongue? Well, as you say, it's a, it's a, it's a restless evil. It's like the fires of hell. And so performance-based systems are going to condemn us all. We all will come up short of the standard. We'll all fall short. We'll all sin and come short of the glory of God. So we need a faith-based system. We don't need a performance-based system. We need the gospel, not the law, especially when it repeatedly says, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Well, then we don't want the law. We don't want anything like the law. We want the gospel. And we want the faith that comes through there. Now, while we're on curses, Paul said, yes, there's a curse in the law. But Jesus took the curse for us. Because in all those curses of Deuteronomy, here's another one. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's Genesis Excuse me, that's Deuteronomy 21-23. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So there's all these curses. There are all these curses hanging out there. Christ ended them. Christ took the curses on himself, just as uh, using a very similar figure in 2 Corinthians 5, it says he would become sin on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so there, there was these curses. Well, Christ took on the curse. 
there, there was this problem of sin. Christ took on sin and was treated, at a minimum, treated as if he was sinful. Uh, some go beyond that in their explanation of that, and I'll let them do that. But a better bare minimum, Christ was treated as sinful. Christ took the place of sinful people. I mean, they literally sent a murderer free and kept him. He died on that cross that the murderer uh, should have been on. Uh, but instead, he was there uh, for us. And so Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law says, cursed are you if these things happen. And what lifts the curse? Well, for us, it's the forgiveness that's in Jesus. How do we get that? We get that through faith in him. And so he became the curse for us. Cursed is those who hang on a tree. He hung on a tree. Uh, what was it say in another passage? He despised the shame. It was shameful. I mean, what happened to him at the cross is, is terrible and brutal and humiliating. And, and just uh, uh, it's just shameful to think about. But we do think about it because it's such a good thing on our behalf. As Paul would again tell the Romans, Romans 5, 6, while we were helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps to, for the good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he took the curse. In this cursed world, Jesus took the curse, uh, the curse of one hanging on a tree, as we have directly here, but whatever other curses there were. I think of, as well as you know, the curse from Genesis 3, whatever curses otherwise you can find of God on those who sinned, Christ took that. He took that and he turned it around. He conquered it. He defeated it. As it says here in verse 14, continuing, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might be found among the Gentiles. So Christ took care of the curse, and then he gives the blessing to all, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. Again, the promise to Abraham was, in you all the nations be blessed. Christ's blessing is for everyone, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So all the things that come, come by faith, because they are all in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3, all spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. How do we access that? What's our entrance there? What's the key to connection? Well, it starts and ends uh, with faith. Everything else we do uh, is an act of faith. Everything else we do in Christ is because we, we do believe in him. So we have these blessings. The blessings in Abraham, the blessings promised Abraham, carried out and conducted in Christ and access to uh, access by the believers, Jew and Gentile alike through faith. So the cursed workers of the law, now, we don't want to join them. You don't want to join the team that's cursed, uh, but trying to keep the law for perfection, for righteousness, that is the way of damnation. It's the way of a curse, but the way of faith in Christ is the way of life. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.